Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 Podcasts. We're your hosts, Suzanne Kearns and Missy Stevens. We want to help you through everything that happens in the ellipses, from your professional life to your emotional health. You're a mom and so much more. Let's figure out what comes next together. Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 Podcast. I'm Suzanne Kearns, Mom and Dot 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 Writer, LGBTQ and Sex Ed Advocate, and today a resume duster offer. We'll talk about big. that later. I kind of big. <laughs> big and scary. The last version was 2017. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of yeah. big. I, I know. And I'm Missy Stevens, mom and dot, 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 writer, foster child advocate. And this week, a swim meet planner. I have never done this side of it before. And so I'm learning a lot. How is there a side left that you haven't done? Right. Yeah. I don't know. There's (laughs) a lot I still haven't done. So yep, every day learning something new. Today, we are super excited to have Amanda Hill with us. Amanda is a mom and dot, 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 writer home farmer and healthcare attorney in Austin. She worked for the U.S. government defending large hospitals before becoming general counsel for several large groups. She has worked with physicians and healthcare management her entire career, providing guidance, training, and counsel. Amanda authored the Fraud and Abuse Manual. That sounds exciting. Super fun. (laughs) As well as Build Your Compliance Plan for the Texas Medical Association. In 2015, Amanda founded her own law firm specializing in outsourced general counsel services for healthcare organizations and specializes in physician practices in Texas. In 2022, she launched a new company and Guard My Practice was born. This new venture provides 15-minute videos on topics that affect physicians to help them feel safe and protected. On a personal note, Amanda writes humor and heartfelt essays. She has written two novels, and in her free time, she loves cooking, gardening, and talking to her chickens. Amanda (laughs) is a mother and stepmother and takes great pride in humiliating her children on a daily basis. Oh, welcome. (laughs) Thank you. So excited to be here. It's like, you guys are my close friends, so it's like we're just sitting around having lunch. I know. It's been too long since our last patio wine night. We need to do another one of those. It'd be better to be actually having lunch at Amanda's house because she would make us something fabulous. Oh, my gosh. I know. but she work parties. Yes. You're too busy right now with your your business launching, which we're going to get into a little bit. And we went over a little bit about you and your bio, but can you help us fill in some of the gaps where your career started and how it's progressed over the years? Sure. So as you know, I'm a lawyer and I represent doctors and it's not the journey that I expected to start on. All right. When I went to law school, um, I think health law was a class. I thought, what a boring class. Why would I take that? <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to be a prosecutor and like put criminals in jail and be a federal judge. That was my whole goal in life. And then, you know, once you have children and things change along the way, you realize Mm -hmm. that, you know, your priorities shift. So I took a job at the VA. That was my first job out of law school. And I started kind of getting thrown into the medical world. And that's been my career ever since. But it's been interesting because I've had a dual life. You know, I've been like lawyer and I know I'm very driven and type A and I I do well at what I do in work. And then I've got this totally other world, which is like, but I want to be a writer and I like to entertain Mm -hmm. and I like Mm -hmm. want to be a mom and all that. And it's always been hard, you know, to sort of put those things together. In fact, I worked for six years for a huge clinic system, loved the people I work with, you know, really engaged. I wasn't like a robot, 
But someone found out that I wrote humor and they actually said to me, like when I was quitting the job, you know, we had no idea you were so funny. Like (laughs) years and you had no idea that I had a sense of humor. Like that's not good. So I've always had trouble, you know, sort of meshing the two worlds, you know, how do you, how do you be fun and engaging in my personality and still like be a really good, strong, hardcore attorney. So it's all kind of coming together now, which is really interesting. It's taken 21 years. So like buy your time, you know, it takes a minute, (laughs) but it is really fun to see how kind of the creative and the academic are coming together, which I'm really excited about. So did you learn that in college, a bunch of medical stuff? Like that's two no. of the most complicated fields and to have to be knowledgeable in both of them. Do you need to know a lot about medicine or do you need no, to know more about I lawyering? Nothing. So okay. my degree in college was public relations and English. So that's fun. And then I <laughs> was thrown into reading medical records way before electronic medical records were a thing. So I had to wade through doctor's handwriting. Oh, and I remember the very first case I ever had was someone who got a CT scan and the the dye extubated, I didn't know that word, now it's seared in my memory, extubated <laughs> into his arm. And so he sued because he had this all this damage to his arm. And I cannot get contrast with any scan to this day without being paranoid that it's going to extubate into my arm, just oh, like this yeah. one guy that sued the VA, you know. But no, now I don't know. I am also it. worried about that. <laughs> Seriously, it's, fear. it's an actual fear. But, you know, it's funny. Once in my life, I tried to quit law and it was right after my daughter was born and mm-hmm. I was working on my first novel. And I thought, I am done. I'm done with law. Like I have bigger dreams. And I put in my resignation notice and wanted to forge new grounds, you know, being a great American novelist anyway. And that didn't work out. So I got divorced and I had to go back to work. And it turns out writing, lawyering, maybe a little different on the pay scale. So I jumped back into it thinking, this is just a job. I'm just going to have to earn a living. This is what I do well. And then later I realized, no, no, I don't want to just do a job. Like I want to make a difference. Everybody wants to make a difference. And so Mm -hmm. I've really, for the past, I would say six years of my whole career is pivoting from not just working to try to be more purpose-driven in my job. Because if I spend this much time and energy on it, I want it to have value. And so, you know, it's a very different shift from when I started working. It's just a job, you know, come home, forget work. Now you're home, you get to do your real life versus no work is your real life. And you have Uh to make sure that fulfills you too, right? That's just as important as everything else. So that's been a good shift. That's the only reason that I'm still passionate about it. You've already talked about this a little bit, like creating what it is you want it to look like. A lot of our listeners are trying to figure out how to make things work for them and how to have this fulfilling life. And an answer to that often is going out on your own, doing it yourself, making it how you want it to be. Do you have advice for people who are trying to build some sort of, whether it's an independent law practice or their own company, whatever it is? You know, yes, I do. And thank you for asking. (laughs) I I felt stifled for a long time because of fear. It was 100% fear-based because- I thought I could never, I could never do this on my own. I don't have the skill set. I don't have the talent. I mean, I don't have the insurance. I, I really <laughs> worry about insurance. For some reason, insurance, like it was the barrier for why I did not, I couldn't accomplish any of my dreams because of the insurance. <laughs> don't well, let- you know a lot. You know, that's not an unreasonable fear. Like Right. And then finally, I thought, wait a minute. 
I can find insurance. And <laughs> if I don't know, I, I'm going to have to figure it out. But I think there's that fear of not being an expert. And that's why people a lot of times don't go on their own. They want the security of having the group, the practice, the buffer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When you go on your own, it's just you. You're the answer. You got to say the truth. And so there was two things that I, that I really want to tell people that was pivotal when I went out on my own. I was working for someone at the time who was very toxic to my headspace. I did not get along with this boss. It was someone who did not understand that I had to take children to school. I mean, the, the expectations were, I'm sorry you have to drive all the way across Austin, but you know, the meetings is 7.30, like that's when it starts. And it was no understanding sort of of the personal boundaries. And I thought, mm -hmm. I can't do this. You know, at the time I was just recently divorced and I was a single mom. And I thought, I can't live this life where I never see my kids and I'm I'm working till eight o'clock at night and I drag home with the nanny watching my children say, I've already put them in their pajamas. Sorry, you know, that you got a little so late right. and something snapped. And I thought, I don't even care anymore. I, I have to get out of this because the call of mothering was so strong. And so I'll never, ever forget the day that I gave my resignation notice. I mean, I just like, because I we didn't get along and I put up with it as long as I could. I saved every penny I could, right? And the minute I pulled the trigger, I didn't have any clients. I didn't have an office and nothing. All I had was an LLC that I set up for $300. You know, like that's it. <laughs> and so I took that letter and I like slid it across his desk. You know, it was like, it's like, I was looking around. There's no cameras. Nobody's cares. <laughs> I was like, take that. All your coworkers you know? weren't outside. Like she's doing it. <laughs> I wanted there to be like, that was like the, the big, that was the climax, you know, right. in any event, he was surprised that I was going to do that. And I started on my own and I just went hustling. I mean, I hustled more than I've ever hustled. I went to lunches and coffees mm -hmm. and blind copied and called random people. I think one CEO said, are you seriously just calling people? Like, you just, you're just a random lawyer calling people out of the blue. Like you've bounced the phone book. I'm like, yes, kind I of. did. How about that? <laughs> you know, do you have a lawyer? And if that's how it started, you know, and I did, I really did think, it's out of necessity. I either die a slow death because I don't see my children and I have to take a lot of medicine or I can pivot, you know, and just do this thing. And I, I realized very quickly that who are these experts that we think are out there? Like, oh, we're not the expert. Other people are. Who? What other people? What are the other people out there that, uh, exist, that are the experts that we think is in some magical place that we are not, right? I mean, if I, at that point, had been practicing law for 14 years, and I can't sort of call myself an expert. And like, who, who are the experts? Yeah. Right, right. And so I was like, I guess that's me. And now I'm just fearless. I'm like, if someone asks me a question, I'm like, I don't know. I do not know the answer to that. I'll have to look that up. Find you know? out. Like, that's a freeing, liberating thing to be able to say, I have no idea. Where yes. to, I'm going to have to look into that. And that's okay. And that's what people are scared of. They're scared of saying, I have no idea the answer to that question. I should know, baby. But now I'm like, I've been doing this for a really long time. And if I don't know that it's probably a hard question. Yeah. You know, like, and I love that take. We have this device in our hands that does have like all the knowledge in the world right. in it, but we don't, we're not set up that way. Right. There are maybe super intelligent people who hold more things in their brains than some of us, but we're not expected to know everything. We are expected to know what we don't know and know how to go figure it out. Yeah, exactly. You know, we know how to research it. We know how to look into it. We can figure yeah. it out because we're resourceful people. So yes. once I took the leap of faith that it took to put the resignation letter in and said, I don't care how scary it is. Like, I don't have a choice in my mind. 
because I can't go down this path. And then once I started learning how to say, I don't know, then that was life-changing for me. It's like almost like the world opened up and it was like, what you going to do next, sister? Like, come on, let's go. Yeah. Like, nothing can stop you. And so that that was fun for a while. And until <laughs> I started to become really bogged down with the work. I mean, that's mm -hmm. the thing. It turns out when you hustle and you get a bunch of work, then you're working. So what did that time period look like from the sliding the resignation letter to actually having some clients? What is that? Weeks, well, months, years? I mean, because I've been in this community for a long time, I had a lot of contacts and that mm -hmm. didn't hurt, you know, and I, that right. started, once I got one anchor client, I tell you to this day, I'm so grateful. It's the first client, that's the, the pivot, you know, it's like that, mm -hmm. you get that first deal and I will never forget it. I still charge them like half of my current billable rate because yeah. I didn't, I just, I'm just like, you were my first client, you know, I owe you a lot of loyalty, but I think I would say within a year I was busy. It took me six months. So I was like trucking along. Like, oh, I really could make a little more. And by the time I was a year, I was like, okay, this is, this is filling no, my really schedule. Like, this is working. You know, people are hearing about me. I'm getting new clients. Now, six years later, I'm like, oh, I can't. It's too much. Like I'm having to hire help and <laughs> it's too much work. But yeah, it, it wrapped along. And the way I work, I love challenges. And so I have these goals and, and I, when I accomplish them, I'm just like bored. You know, what's the next thing? And so I'm constantly looking ahead at like, what's the next adventure? And I think it's about, I've noticed in life generally about five to six years of something where I want to try something new. And I don't know if that's uh, everyone else's pattern. I don't know. But what about you guys? Like, do you get to where you're like, I got to do something different yeah. after a certain number of years? Yeah. Well, we did start a podcast. I don't know that I've ever thought of it in terms of a pattern. <laughs> but now that you bring it up. Yeah, for sure. Like I yeah. had a corporate job and I realized yeah. I would like to do this for myself. And I went and did that. And then I had children and that changed again. And yeah, I mean, you evolve and you sometimes it's yeah. your circumstances, like having a child or getting a divorce or having a job you hate. And sometimes it's just something in you that's screaming, I have to write a book or right. I really want to make sweet potato biscuits, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's my soul. You're speaking my soul. Um, you know, when it, when, for me, it really hit me this January. And that's all kind of sort about this new company that I formed. It was out of necessity because I remember being right here where we are at my desk. I looked outside and I felt depleted, absolutely Ooh. depleted. I was working so hard I was in the middle of a $10 million transaction and had a short timeline on it. So we were just pouring through corporate documents, edits, red lines and meetings with other lawyers. And I thought, is this, is this the, like, this is the life that I dreamed of, you know, sitting here all day with anxiety here, just trying to get through all these documents. And I thought there's a ton of lawyers that can sit here and look at documents. Like, is this really utilizing the strengths that I've been given or the talents that I have, is it really maximizing me? Mm -hmm. And there's also the creative side that I told you about. I always have that problem with like how to balance the creative and the work. I thought if I don't add creativity to my life, this isn't going to work for me. I'm going to have a heart attack. Like I cannot do this type of work all the time with that because the creative side of me is what fuels me, what gives me joy. Mm -hmm. And so I, I thought I got to figure it out. Uh, you know, and I can't just keep talking about quitting my job all the time to go switch to, you know, right? <laughs> we'll change that focus. Okay. Because this is what I do for a living. And I think yes. I finally just embraced it, right? Like 
why am I hiding from the fact that I'm 20 something years in this, in this profession? Why can't I make this creative? You know, why do I have to go write a book about a, about a woman who owns a branch? I mean, I can, I can do this. And I think that was another sort of eye-opening moment is like, you take what you already do and you figure out to make that work for you better. Does that make sense? Oh my you're gosh. You're building on like, yes. all, you're building on your experience. And I think we talk about that a lot, that we have everything we do helps lead us to the next place, whether we are directly Absolutely. using that skill or not, but you're building yes. on everything you know. I think it's so beautiful that you found a way to say, I have to make a living. I'm good at doing it this way. Now what's next? Yeah. And right. it's so you it's so funny you talked about that coworker that when you were leaving said that they never realized that you were so funny or whatever. Cause right. I of the first few years I knew you, I knew you as the creative funny writer. And then when I found out you were a lawyer, I was like, What? Like that's a, <laughs> <laughs> and so that's it, crazy. <laughs> uh, so it is it is wonderful to see you being able to use all those parts of yourself and all those skills. So yes, tell us tell us more about because even though we're yes. friends, this has been going on kind of not in the shadows, but I mean, you've been so busy doing it that you haven't had a ton of time to be like, hey, right. let's just chat about it. Yeah. No, it's exciting. So, so the first thing I did when I thought, okay, I've got to add creativity to my profession is what do I like most about my job? I mean, if you really distill it all, do I really love writing, you know, editing corporate documents? That's not my favorite part. My favorite part about my job is talking to my clients and making sure that I solve their problems. Mm -hmm. And when a doctor, I, so I only represent doctors. So when doctors call me and they say, so you're not going to believe what happened today. We have you know, a partner in our practice came in and it was raining. And I guess he just had it with us. Um, but he decided that he was done with his pants having water on them. So he just took them off. So he treated patients all day in his white lab coat and his boxers. How would oh. you think we could handle that? You know, and I'm like, what? Were <laughs> you kidding me? He's just walked around without any pants. This is my day. I get all kinds of crazy stories from doctors, you know, and they go, um, it's especially helpful when we call and they say, do you have a minute? This is kind of a crazy one. And I'm like, oh, wow. Well, what yes. can it be today? I have no idea. So, <laughs> uh, not only am I worried about like my contrast going everywhere. Now I am going to like, just Did my doctor, doctor have pants, pants on? on. <laughs> yeah. oh, yes. And another funny one is one time a doctor would take charts home every single night. Right? This was before electronic medical records. And she mm -hmm. would take the charts. It's hard when you're a physician. I mean, I followed physicians throughout their day. I don't think anyone has a clue of what they go through in a day. I mean, we could talk all hour about just how hard it is to be a doctor. But right. when you follow them in your day and you realize the stress that they go through every 15-minute slots, they have to be on all day long with sick, angry people. And it's just this whole stressful thing. So I can see why doctors don't get all their charting done. And so she took her charts home at night to finish them. But she kind of was like letting them stack up and she never really took them back to work. And she just kept bringing more <laughs> charts home and more charts home. Well, guess what? That sounds like Trump. Yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> exactly. And anyway, her car got stolen. <gasps> and she came to work and said, uh, I have a little problem. I may have had 200 charts in my car. What do I do? And I was like, no. You know, like that is the, that's oh. where my, my public relations crisis communication background, you know, really helped in my job. Oh, my God. So, what yeah, do I, you do? Well, I mean, we can go into that. There's lots of HIPAA issues there, but <laughs> it's been a really fun job in that regard. I love talking to doctors and even just doctors that call me and they say, 
you know, you're like, I want to just pull you out of my pocket. Like, you're like my pocket lawyer. You know? Oh, they, they, we, we love pocket, pocket people. people. <laughs> no, I'm a pocket lawyer because I always answer. I think that's another thing. I'm not a lawyer that's like, I'll go back to you next Tuesday at 2.45. You know, I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. What's going on? What do you need? I'm here <laughs> right now. And I'm always answering. You know, that's why at 10 o'clock at night, the client says, can we talk about this issue? I'm like, let's do it. Uh-huh. You know? And so that's why I have so many clients is my client. I really responsive and I love talking to my clients. So in January, when I sat there and said, what do I love most? I was talking to clients and I thought, well, how, how do I keep talking to clients and make it fun and creative and not and get out of my head on all these documents? Mm-hmm. Also, and you know, a lot of people ask me, how, how do you do it all? I get that question a lot, right? How do you do it all? Because I do do a lot of things. Yeah, you I do. do, right? I, I do a lot. And a lot of it is not a healthy coping skill. I'm just going to be well, honest with you. And I mean, it's <laughs> not because I am superpower. It's because a lot of times I'm afraid I'm going to die. And I don't want my kids to lack memories or I don't want them to not have a childhood that's full of wonder, you know, or, or, you know, or all the things that have to do with like the fact that if you've been diagnosed with cancer, like I have, and you've gone through a lot of health stuff, then you're always like, well, probably going to die pretty soon. (laughs) I might as well make the most out of my life. And it's sort of a weird trajectory. Like on one hand, that was a little tragedy that I went through. On the other hand, like a lot of appreciation for like every day. and I know that's cliche, like appreciate every day, but I really do appreciate every really day. Do. Mm-hmm. I really do, you know, and I, I celebrate like every day. And I, and there's many, many times, probably two to three times a week, I wake up and I almost get teary eyed about thinking like, what a, what a gift, like what a gift that I have these kids. Like it's so magical, you know, that I have this life. I'm very grateful. But part of that is like, how do I get my brain before I die? on some medium. Oh my gosh. Benefit from it, you know? So if I, it's like, is there something we should know? (laughs) No, no, it's fine. It's it's fine. No, but you know, I like what someone said, how did you do all that stuff? And I got unchecked anxiety. That's exactly how I get so much fun. That happy. That's my two go-tos, but it's, you know, joking aside, like I do appreciate the time that I have on earth and I want to make the most out of it. And one of the things I thought is like, if I retired and I put 25, 30 years into something, then it just goes, it just dies. It just gets in the ground. Like it's just buried in the earth. Like all the thoughts and all the energy that I've put into my career just ends. And so this is a way of like putting my brain on paper and on the screen and like all of my energy out there into the world, you know, so it can be shared with more and longer. And that's sort of the dark and twisted way of why I do a lot of things. Just you know. so tell us exactly for our listeners okay. what it is, guard my practice. Like what? So, what so guard my practice is a video subscription platform for doctors. It's 15 minute videos every single week on everything they didn't learn in medical school. So it's everything from negotiating your contract to setting, reviewing your lease, to dealing with difficult patients to fraud and abuse statutes that are kind of demystified. Wow. It's very complex. All the regulatory hurdles out there that scare doctors. And trust me, our healers of our nation are not doing well. They're overwhelmed. They're burned out. They're afraid that the government's going to come after them, that Medicare is going to come after them. They're going to get fined or penalized. And I want to demystify that for physicians. Yeah. So basically, it's a year-long platform. Every single week, they get a video in their inbox, 15-minute video, on every topic I could think of that a physician needs to know. 
And it's $75 a month and they get all these videos and I have been recording my little tail off yes, and it's really fun. <laughs> and I have a whole film crew that I, we text, you know, are, we're very close at this point. I turned a room in my home into a film studio. I mean, that's how dedicated I am to this project. So it's been really fun. And I am excited because, you know, I have no idea whether this will be successful, right? It's again, like the resignation letter. Like, I don't know if this will work uh, or not. And it's very frightening, but we're going to, we're going to put all of our eggs in this basket. Part of it is just like, I just want to be able to invest in myself, mm-hmm. you know, instead of investing in the stock market and hoping that Coca-Cola has a good year, like I'm going to invest in me, you know, because I know how mm-hmm. much I hustle. I don't know how much those companies hustle, but I, right. I don't give up until I get it, you know? And I'm like, well, right. that's the kind of person I want leading a company that I'm investing in. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing. So it's fun. So is it more of like a continuous ongoing conversation discussion, or is it like after you get these 52 weeks of videos, like it's the complete everything you need to know, like, or is it something that'll just be going for years and years? You know, that is a good question. Right now I'm getting to year one, which is my goal. <laughs> yes. And we will talk about year two later, but no, I've had so many people be like, what's in year two? I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's a thing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I do think there's going to be like, you know, like a graduate program, you know, like a year or two, mm-hmm. just because there's always things that come up. I've already had like four or five topics. The doctor's like, are you going to speak about this? What about that? What about this? And I'm like, oh, you might need a year two, you know? Yeah. So it's the like, law evolves. Gonna, things change. Yeah, it evolves. And I'm, I'm already thinking about doing a, like, a, you know, a bonus class on a certain topic that a lot of doctors told me they really want to hear about. So I really like to speak lawyeries in layman's terms. I love mm-hmm. translating complex issues to simple language. Literally one of the, the videos is called contract terms explained. And it's like the most complicated, you know, sections of contracts that nobody understands except for lawyers. And I'm like, okay, guys, this is what that really means. So when you read a contract, you can really understand what you're signing because here's the deal. Yes, I'm a lawyer. And yes, I love getting work because I have a high billable rate and I make a lot of money. <laughs> but I don't want everyone that watches these videos that I don't want the takeaway to be like, and call your lawyer. It's not a big advertisement for my practice. I want them to be empowered to know these things. So they don't always have to call a lawyer. Mm-hmm. That's really yeah. important to empower them to know more. So they feel safer and more protected in their daily jobs. And so they won't burn out. And so you and I actually have doctors to go see. <laughs> yeah. Because at this point, I'm worried about the future when all of our physicians are changing jobs because it's just gotten so oh. hard after COVID, you know, for them to survive. Yes. I know. Did I mention that my little artist Zoe has decided to maybe do a pre-med track with her, B, with her BFA, but she wants to be a physical therapist, mm-hmm. which I was like, oh, that sounds amazing. It ties into so many mm-hmm. different things. But then I've had a few people remark, they're like, oh, all the physical therapists I know are quitting or whatever, which I can't imagine is everybody, but probably, I don't know, the medical field, it sounds like it's just, it's just tough these days. It's tough. You know, staffing shortages are everywhere and it's really tough when you're a doctor. Um, because yeah. especially when you don't have the nursing staff, you don't have the scheduling staff, people are really angry when they can't see their doctor. They're mm-hmm. very mad and they take it down to the doctor. It's like, I'm sorry, I can't help it that we don't have a scheduling crew or that I can't work you all in. And, and so right. it's a tough job. I mean, it's imagine if we had to see 25 angry, sick people every single day and we had to be <laughs> smiling and empathetic and we're so sorry. And oh, that must hurt. And I'm hoping I'm hoping I'm only here to listen and I care so much. But, uh, and please, I'll just work for free at night if you need something or something referred or there's one description, call me back. I mean, good gracious. No wonder why they're all burned out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really tough job, you know? 
Oh my it's gosh. Really yeah. tough job. And it's I don't tough. even understand exactly mm-hmm. how everything with COVID, I don't understand all the implications and what's happening, but I could see it in my doctor's face when I'm at my annual checkup. Yeah. She just look tired. Tired. Yeah. And ER docs are especially prone to being burned out, right? Because they're just oh, yeah. overworked in the ER. And some of my clients are getting $25,000 bonuses. I mean, you just can't get ER docs anymore mm. because they're just not anywhere to be found. They, they don't want to do it. And so wow. I think there, there is a room. It's kind of a strange place. Here I am, this lawyer that's like a best friend to a doctor. Like they put me on a pedestal, like, Amanda, she's our friend. She like represents <laughs> the world in a good light. You know, I'm like their person. And I don't know where that, where that happened. Why are doctors my mission field? But that's kind of how I feel. Like, I feel like I'm here to help all these doctors, but that's what was put on my heart and I just follow it. And that's where I am. Well, for someone who has a fear of mortality, (laughs) hanging out with doctors sounds like a good idea. (laughs) But I think your own health journey and having experienced a crisis probably makes you more empathetic to just Mm -hmm. people needing help and you want to help the helpers. Yeah. Repaying the favor. Well, and it's interesting. I had a conversation with a doctor the other day who was an oncologist and for them, it's a job, right? Cancer is a horrible life-changing thing, but for them, it's like, right. And everybody else, you know, all day long, they see people. (laughs) Everybody's got cancer. (laughs) Right. We got cancer. Join the line. You know, everybody here has cancer. We're going to cancer center every day. So they all break. They just don't think about it as, you know, this life-changing thing because everybody has it. And he, he got sued. <clears throat> and so we were walking through his lawsuit and going through the process of trying to get it dismissed. And he called me one day and he said, I want this thing done. I don't think you understand. Needs to be done. Like make it go away. And I was like, listen to yourself. Listen for just a minute. This is exactly how your patients feel. When they mm-hmm. come to you and they have cancer, they want to say, get it out. Make it stop. It's mm-hmm. not fair. All of the things he was saying, I was like, man, this is such a learning thing for you, you know? And I was like, and so maybe fuel that feeling of like the unfairness of this and why you got sued and how you want it to go away immediately. You want to cut it out of your body, get it out, make it stop. And he said, I never thought about it that way. And he's now, he told me, talked to last week and he said, I really am thinking of my patients differently now. And I was like, my job is done. But I mean, it's. It's true. You, everything you go through, you know, can sort of be reapplied somewhere else. And it didn't always fall perfectly as this one did. But mm-hmm. I try to look at that too, like in my life, like what has my journey taught me? And obviously, you know, multiple near-death experiences have taught me to make more biscuits. That is the obvious. <laughs> really, it could have gone such a different way. Yeah. Right. There are people who have experienced similar things to what you did. And they are angry and they're bitter and they're shut in and so whether it's physically or metaphorically, and they just are like, everything sucks. And the waiting for the next shoe to drop, I'm going to probably die, yes. <laughs> but you I'm take that yeah. and you're like, yes, we are all dying. I will probably die. How do I make the best of this time now? Yes. And I love how creative you've gotten about as far as sharing that knowledge. And it's so generous. Did you have a mentor that inspired this generosity and sharing of knowledge? I had two really great mentors. One was a female, one was a man. My first boss, um, such an excellent example of not sacrificing quality. She was really big on you do it right every time. You know, No one's looking. It doesn't matter. You're going to make that great argument. You're going to put that writing on the page. 
and you're going to edit it for grammar. I'm like, nobody's going to look at this internal memo. This is ridiculous. And she's like, doesn't matter. Excellent corporate page. That really stuck with me. I was like, wow, that's true. You know, everything I put out there, whether it's a Facebook post or that, I want it to be well-written. I want it to be thoughtful. I want it to be sound, whether or not it's something someone's going to judge. That was the first key. And then the second mentor, he he's the founder of Austin Regional Clinic, which is a big system here in the community that we live, Norman Shinden. What an excellent mentor. I was a hot shot, you guys. I mean, when I took a job with Austin Regional Clinic back in the day, I walked in their, in their office, like no lie, like cold called them and asked if they wanted a general counsel, like weirdo. And then I show <laughs> up with a, yeah, with a brochure, like legitimately a three prong brochure with like bulleted points of why they should hire me. Like I would, it was crazy, crazy town. Like, it was like you know, wow. You know. So somehow they hired, they gave me all this responsibility. Like they hired me and it was, it was the most amazing job opportunity and such a great place to work. And Norman really sat with me and was talking about, you know, his strategy. And he was a very generous person. He went a lot, oftentimes say, pick your battles. You know, mm-hmm. he was an open door to talk to him. So many lessons that I learned. And I think sometimes I saw from him that you don't have to be aggressive and loud to be really strong. That was what mm-hmm. I, one of the biggest lessons I learned from him because Many, many times now in my law career, I will not take the more aggressive road because I don't think that's the right approach for my client, or I don't have to show my strength, you know, with roaring, it can be a little softer and it's just as powerful. Mm-hmm. And I think that when I see a bully, like be- bullyish behavior, I just sort of go, oh, they haven't learned that lesson yet. Like that doesn't show strength, you know, that they're, <laughs> they're just loud. And right. so- great mentors. I love it that I could, I love looking back thinking, how did people teach me these things? Because I mean, we're all hot shots at some point. We all grow up and we're dumb and young and do make bad decisions. So <laughs> it's good for people to say, bless your heart. Yes. Bless your heart. Speaking of Southern, bless your heartness. You, I mean, talk about your other side. You're like yeah. practically a home farmer with all your chickens and your garden and all the fun stuff. And you are truly by far our most Instagram worthy friend as far well, as, I mean, you can make a brunch you. or any occasion, like look like it should be in a magazine. I mean, Wednesdays, just Wednesdays. Yes. Just Wednesday. I do Wednesday celebrate Wednesdays. That is kind of odd. Yes. My kids are so used to it. Like to other people. What did I say? Oh, I said something about, oh, I got, I grabbed that for your Wednesday gift. And my son had a friend over and he said, a Wednesday gift. What are you talking about? And they go, your mom doesn't celebrate happy Wednesdays with presents. And they're like, what? (laughs) So so apparently that is not a thing that all the people do. Um, But no, I like to, to leave little fun gifts on Wednesdays for my kids. And the other day I wrapped up these pumpkin pie almonds and little bags, little, you know, little tags and all the things. And of course, now they're so spoiled. They're like, what are these? Those are kind of gross. They don't sound <laughs> used to me. They're just like, so they're so entitled. It's fine. Try <laughs> harder next week, mom. This didn't work. Yeah. And they're like, well, last week we got a Starburst. What? And then, but then here's the kicker. You don't do it every Wednesday because you have to keep them on their toes. Oh. So it's like every second or third Wednesday, then they get like, wow, Wednesday. It's, so that's the kicker. Because oh, otherwise they I thought it was Wednesday. every Wednesday. Well, it's always Happy Wednesday to me every Wednesday, but they don't always yeah. get a special treat. And sometimes I do gift of words, which really pisses them off. Because <laughs> I, 
I will write them cards, you know, about very special things I noticed about them. That'll be, and they're just like, oh, we get, is there a cookie of this or anything? Nope, just the word. Great. We'd even rather have those crappy pumpkin almonds. Like, come on. I would rather have those. But I mean, part of the joy I have in the kids is just, seeing them grow and have their own personalities. You know, when they're little, you're just in control of everything, which mm-hmm. has its place. But now that yes. they're becoming their own people, it's quite delightful because they're so funny. And I, one of the things I encourage is a huge value in my house is humor. Like if it's funny, I will maybe allow a curse word. I'll allow this or yeah. that. Or I'm like, it's funny, man. You can't put a price tag on that. And yeah. so there, we encourage you know, a lot of humor in our house. And that is a dynamic that I am so happy about that I can't imagine having a household where I'm like, I am mom, it's just dinner. You know, we don't laugh about things. Yes. And so that's really what's brought me the most joy recently is just being like, oh, my kids are cool. You know, they were so Aww. funny <laughs> and I really like them. So that's, that's a good thing. Isn't it that's the fun. best? This stage, I seriously thought I was going to want just to have babies and then send them away until they were like 18. (laughs) And I, this age is so, every age is fun and has its benefits, but oh my God, I, yeah, they're their own people and they're so interesting and I love it. I love it for anybody who's uh, chasing around, you know, two to seven year olds right now, you got so much good stuff, even better stuff coming. (laughs) Yeah. I just had this realization this morning. I realized my daughter doesn't always open up to me, right? Because she's 16. And then think about it. Did you tell your mom when you were 16, like any of the things? I did not. No. Why would you tell your mother? That's weird. (laughs) They're like, I shouldn't expect for, you know, my teenage kids to always tell me everything they're thinking. Even though I'm like, but I want to know what's going on with your life. What's going on with your friend? Like, you know, and of course they don't want you to know you're their mother. Oh, you know, I just a had a conversation with my 16 year old yesterday about, he was being a little surly mm-hmm. every time I'd speak. So, uh-huh. so I sat him down and just said, I don't expect you to tell me everything. I don't expect you to think I'm the coolest person in the world. You're wrong, but I don't expect <laughs> you to think that. And I know that you have your friends and I have my friends and I'm your parent. I get all of that, but I want to periodically know something about your life. Or if I just ask you like, what did you, I, I, a friend had stopped by and I said, what was your friend doing before they stopped by? And he said, driving. I said, oh, Obviously, cool. yes, they drove here. But I mean, <laughs> why? So yes, I mean, it was the same realization of, no, I right. didn't talk to my mom about all of that either. And I'm like, just be a little nicer when you give me the non-answer answer. Just be a little sweeter <laughs> about it. <laughs> And he is such a, I mean, he's such a sweet boy. He was just having a moment, but uh, I know it's, it's hard. They're fun. They're wonderful and fun and weird. And it's, a but it's also time. hard because, you know, all kids are like little narcissists, right? They're all, their world right. revolves around themselves and that's okay. Cause that's their development. They're not actual narcissists, but you know, yeah. they're obviously their world is all about, well, how does it affect me? Mm-hmm. And so it's really hard when you're, you know, like in my position, right at this particular moment in time, I'm working two full-time jobs, which is a little right. stressful. Because, you know, keeping my law practice active, which is what pays for the new companies. So anyway, I'm trying to do that and do this. And then they call and say, oh, I'm so excited. The football game's been changed. I have to suit up at five. I'm like, what, what, what? Like and I, snacks? I have to bring what? I, what is happening? So it's, it's a challenge. And sometimes it's like you realize that the kids don't really care that I'm working seven jobs. You know, it's like no. they want to know that 
mom's going to do this or that you're going to be here and watch their games and be at their cross country meets and all the things. So mm-hmm. I have to remember that and not put that burden on them. You know, I'm not going to be the one that's like, oh, oh yeah. my gosh. Well, yeah. I've on, I've wanted to ask all about your self-care and how you do take care of oh, yourself, yeah. even though your kids ignore you. I know we're, we're about to wrap up at the end here, but do you have any quick self-care? What, what, what do you do? Well, for me, you know, you, you said earlier about, I, you know, I do love to throw parties and I do love to decorate because that's the creative outlet, right? For me, mm-hmm. that's the, the side that I really get to fulfill. And I, I hate to say it. I'm really not um, like, I'm not like a warm bath and like a reading. I, I have too much energy for things like that. I don't slow down well. So for me, planning ahead and like organizing a party, thinking of creative ideas, like as a favor or like, how am I going to make the flowers? And what food is with this? Like to me, that's really fun for me. And when I break in something fun, it, to me, it is recharging my batteries. Right? Yeah. So COVID was hell for me because I'm an extrovert. I like to be around my people. And, you know, I have a healthy amount of, you know, alone time. I've learned through life that I do need a lot of alone time, but I also need people. And so I would have these outdoor happy hours where I would do individual charcuterie boards and we would sit <laughs> but the creative side is what keeps my life going yeah. so I would mm-hmm. say self-care if, if I go too long without anything creative I get sad I get sallow you know I'm not mm-hmm. and so I instead of getting a massage or getting a pedicure or taking a hot bath I'm probably likely to try to find something creative to do whether it's writing something funny or planning a party or going to buy flowers and coming home. And that, to me, that's self-care. I would go all the Absolutely. way to the floral shop that I think has better flowers, come all the way home, make a beautiful arrangement. And I'm just like, wow, I feel better, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's whatever you do that brings you that joy is self-care. And sometimes I feel guilty because I'm not reading the set of books or I'm not doing no. the thing that people say I should do. But I'm like, but this is what's bringing me joy right now, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And no, I think that's the definition of self-care. I think you're doing it right. Right. Well, I did decide to get a massage a couple of weeks ago. And she said, I see you signed up for Swedish, but that's like just barely anything. Do you really want a hardcore, you know, sports massage? I was like, I don't know what that means. I don't want hardcore anything. I just want you to like make me feel better. So she takes it upon herself at this wonderful expensive spa that has spent $200 on this massage to just like beat me up. That's what she did. She talked to me with her hands. And then and you I paid two hundred dollars for it. <laughs> and I paid for it. And then for weeks after, I was like, I don't know what's happening to my shoulder. Like she hurt me. Like this woman that was two feet smaller than me, like made me injured. I mean, like, I and mean, I have not gotten massage since. So that I, was I would crazy. think not. That sounds like a medical that, procedure. Yes. Yeah, but I mean, my house is a mess. It really is. Nothing is getting done in the right order. But that is where my life is. So sometimes you'll see, this is literally the funniest, like if you were to like plop into my life and you'll see everything is crazy and the laundry room is piling up. It's great. And I'm over there like making a batter, you know, (laughs) and you're like, look around you. It looks like a disaster. I'm like, but I'm making, you know, this very airy bread that's going to have, (laughs) it's going to be great. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. The priorities are all out of whack, but it's, I'm I'm loving it. I love life. Oh, well, I think you're doing it right. You're doing it by your priorities, not the rest of the world's priorities. Yeah. I love Um, it. Oh, my gosh. Clearly, we could talk forever, but we are pushing. I mean, we're really pushing it on our hour. So before we get to our Look, Listen, Learn, can you tell everybody where to find you? How, How can they follow you? 
We can find me on Facebook unless you're a creep and then do not find me anywhere. <laughs> um, but Amanda Hill on, on Facebook. Also, guardmypractice.com is the website if you're interested in getting the videos. And I'm super excited. And please just go watch the free one. If you don't know what's happening, then I have a free video on my website that you could just watch. And it helps you negotiate a contract. So like win-win for you. Awesome. So you can find me at guardmypractice.com. Um, Hill Health Law is my law firm, just in case you need my legal advice. <laughs> Otherwise, find me on the socials. You know, I'm pretty active. I write a lot. I put my thoughts out there all the time. And and I want to, I always like to meet new friends. So, you know, find me through Suzanne and Missy and let's connect. And your, awesome. your Instagram is a beautiful follow. So yeah, yes. I'll follow that Thank just you. for fun. Yes, for sure. Do you I'm have just, a few yeah. minutes to do Look, Listen, Learn or are you at the end of your time? No, good. I got nothing okay. else going on, you guys. You stop. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. If anybody is here listening for the first time, uh, look, listen, learn. It's just it's something we do for fun at the end of every episode. Give you an idea of maybe something you can binge watch over the weekend or a book to read and in some downtime or a new product we love. It's just kind of whatever. And we <laughs> do not like our guests to have to go first. So Suzanne, you're up. Ooh, what you doing this week? All right. I'll do some quick ones. Well, my look is I am looking at my resume. Like I mentioned in the intro, I have not updated it mm -hmm. since 2017, but this long shot job opportunity has presented itself to me. And so I just figured, you know, we've been having these two years of weekly chats with inspiring moms, coaches. And if I've learned nothing else, it's just to put yourself out there and at least give it a try. So giving it a try, we will see to be continued. And I am listening to good one. Isn't that one of your podcasts? I think that's, I got that from you, Missy. Yep. I love um, good one. And last week's episode is on Kevin Smith's clerks. Which is so funny because when we were in LA for Mom Two, Missy and I had dinner with my friend Dave, um, so cool. who was actually the cinematographer. He worked with Kevin Smith, and they were all buddies in film school and stuff. So they did Clerks together and Mallrats and Chasing Amy, and now Dave has moved on to Homeland and Mandalorian, and now The Skeleton Crew, which is new—it's a new Star Wars uh, series. Yeah. But it just got me thinking, and, and I don't know if this counts as my learn too, is that how important connections are and just following that next interest and, you know, yeah. and keeping those connections and I don't know, sure. I mean, there's not too many people from Nampa, Idaho who be, you know, end up working on the film set of all these movies. And mm -hmm. that doesn't happen by accident. It happens by being very talented, obviously, but also, you know, following those passions and and being really good and connecting mm -hmm. with people along the way mm -hmm. so yes and then i guess that kind of counts as my learn as well yeah. because i'm thinking about that and applying it to zoe and i continue over inserting myself in her college planning process <laughs> <laughs> but just but just about you know it's not necessarily the name of the college it's the connections you make while you're there mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. very true Sure. All right, Amanda, what about you? Got any look, listen, learns? You know, so I'm listening to, um, I'm, you know, I know everyone's really into Abbott Elementary. They want to, you know, they want an award, but I, I love watching television shows with my kids that make us all laugh. Yeah. It's really hard. You know, it's hard to find a show that's like appropriate for everybody. And you don't want like, yep. like, well, that's so hilarious, but that means a lot of F-bombs on that show. You know, <laughs> like there was a line where like, okay, you're 12, you know, we, mommy should not. <laughs> 
So we found uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine and we watched all the seasons. <sighs> so funny. We loved every oh, minute God. of it. So good. And now we're like, well, we just couldn't find a show. We tried many that people referenced. And I was just like, man, like I'm a humor snob. So many that people thought was funny. I was like, that isn't very funny. That's not funny. To me. <laughs> to me. But anyway, we, we've been watching Avid Elementary and it's very good. And it's very, you know, heartfelt and just yes. sweet. It's a sweet show. So I really have been enjoying that. Um, I'm also listening to the sound of my own damn voice because I have to preview <laughs> all the videos. It's like nightmare. There's nothing worse than looking at yourself. And just Ugh. criticize. It's absolutely wretched. You know, you're like, oh, I didn't know I had a crappy neck. That's new. Oh, look at that. It looks like my face is dripping with oil. Huh. New thing. You know, also like I've been on 20 COVID pounds. So fun to see that show up in the video. I mean, you know, it's just on and on with criticism. So that's been a joy to let that go. And yes. then um, I think what I'm learning is just, it's a trial by fire. I mean, it's very different running a law firm, which is a, services business, but they pay you money and you give them service and it's pretty easy. A product business is a completely different animal. And yeah. I'm really learning like, wow, this is very different. You know, they're not just hiring me by the hour and I make a lot of money. This is like something you make. This is a widget that you put into the world and you have to sell. And I'm like, yeah. what? You know, it's, it's really been a learning process. So you have to change constantly. And, and it's not a bad thing. Many times I feel like, oh, I messed that up. And I'm like, no, I learned, I'm growing, I'm changing, mm -hmm. you know? And that has been hard because when you're this age, you know, 50, <laughs> and you think, you know, I, I should be better at this by now. And then you go do something new and you're like, oops, I didn't really know how to do that, you know, starting over. And so you're just learning new lessons. And so that's been hard for me because I always think that I was a failure because I should have known that. How would I have known? Oh, it's been a good learning lesson for me to go, okay, now I know that's not going to work. We're going to try to take a different approach to that. And yes, I did spend $3,000 on that approach, but we're going to pivot. We're going to go somewhere else, you know? Ooh, so yes. you have to kind of understand that it's a lot of money and time and jumbled them together and you just keep doing it until yeah. you get it right. Yeah. So that's cool, a great though. learn. Mm -hmm. I love it. Uh, you can apply it everywhere. Learn. That's not an easy learn. I I'd rather learn like, five Spanish words or something that I can <laughs> that would yeah. be easier. Learns with price tags are painful, but yes, they but, are but they're, but they're good. They're, true. they make you remember it really well. <laughs> yes. What about you, Missy? You look, sure. listen, learning anything? No, I'm not learning much, to be honest. Um, <laughs> let's see. I'm learning nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I really am learning a lot of swim meet stuff oh, boy. and it's, we host a meet every year. It's a high school thing. So our team and another team host a meet. And so last year was my first year on the board and we did this, but it was a very small meet. We were still kind of coming out of COVID and things were different this year. It's 15 teams from multiple cities and we have a new facility in our district, which is amazing, but it's the first time a meet this big has been held at this facility. And so I'm learning so much and some of it I may never use again, but I am learning a lot about just coordinating a different kind of event. My mm -hmm. first job out of college was event coordination. And then I went wow. into like community relations, public relations. So I'm using all of that. Once again, I'm using things from the Wayback Machine to put all of this together, but it's not, it's not anything I ever thought I would have to learn. So do you need like swimming related cookies that we can wrap up and cellophane or anything? <laughs> <laughs> Could you... Could you make me 300 of those? 
<laughs> no words. So that that is the kind of stuff I would rather do too, where I'm like, how can yeah. we, like, I keep talking about how we're going to, we'd have this beautiful refrigerator in this new facility that is a glass front refrigerator in like the office where we set up hospitality for coaches and officials and the people who are working. And like, I want to make the refrigerator pretty. You know, I want the food to look pretty in it. So that when the coaches come to get their snack, that's like, I'm like, everything needs to, and it needs to all face the same way, you know, like it needs to be cute. And I can like hear internally in the people's heads around me going, oh my God, we just need sandwiches. We just need sandwiches for this many people. They're like, it's a way that's not important that it looks just so <laughs> like to me matters a lot. So yeah, I am, I just finished listening to Wrong Place, Wrong Time by Jillian McAllister, which is a very interesting story of she keeps waking up a day and it, eventually it's more than one day behind, but she wakes up and it's the day before. And so she knows what's coming, Oh, but she's trying to undo something and it's how she oh, gets far enough back to change the moment that needs to be changed. So I love time travel stuff I've been like doing so door. much time travel so okay that's gonna be yeah next. I love that I love the idea of if you made this decision would mm-hmm. things be different that whole mm-hmm. sliding doors concept I love those kinds of stories another one of my favorite books ever life after life has anyone read that by Kate yes Atkinson? yes yes mm-hmm. yes I love Kate Atkinson she's so weird and wonderful and her plotting is incredible and she just that life after life is that same concept of like having a chance to do this thing, this big thing that mm-hmm. will change everything. I don't know that I want that on me. I mean, That's a lot. a lot easier to sit around and go, someone should have done that. Climate <laughs> <laughs> change. Those guys passed. That was their fault. Yeah, that was totally. They'd mess that up big time. Let me go to change my thermostat <laughs> down to 64. Yeah, exactly. I know. <laughs> I know. And then I'm watching at all my free time, the great British baking show, which is oh, like a on television. It's a new oh, season, right? It's a new season. <gasps> and, oh. and I've heard there's like a little bit of drama in this season, which I don't want drama out of my great British baking yeah. show. Is it the same so. judges? Uh-huh. The bald guy and the, oh wait, they yeah. aren't the judges. The bald, the bald guy and the, the, the tall hosts. black haired guy. Yeah. 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 Um, That's such a fun show because you're like, I didn't know what a Sally's patty cake was. I feel like I need to make one. <laughs> During COVID, I attempted many of them. That's oh, what yes. I would do. I watched, I'd never watched the show before COVID. And then it became yeah. like my comfort show and I would watch it and then I'd bake things. And now why am I surprised my pants don't fit? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That and when up. we were, when we were buying our house, we kept on being like, why is there no proofing oven here? Like <laughs> <laughs> everybody needs, I need a proofing drawer for my breads. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I feel like we've looked, listened, and learned a lot. And yes. we need to get you back out into doing your new business so that we have yeah. somewhere to send people to. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on. It's I really appreciate it. You guys are a really inspirational. I love that you started this podcast and you're following your dreams as well. Aww. So we're all just doing our best, you know, to to get to the next place. Yeah. yeah. All right. We'll see you soon. Thanks, guys. Okay. Really appreciate it. <laughs> Bye-bye. All right. See you later. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for the mom and dot, dot, dot podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you know someone else who could benefit from the episode, please be sure and share it with them. And while we're begging, please subscribe and rate us wherever it is you listen to podcasts. You can find links to all the things we discussed today in our show notes or over at our website, momandpodcast.com. 
with the A and D spelled out. In between shows, find us over at the socials, including our private mom and community Facebook group. The links to that group and all of our socials can be found at momandpodcast.com. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate you more than you know. Now go out there and make your ellipses count.